Hello, I'm Sasha O'Connell, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to Mission Is Possible, a series of audio episodes where we break down and dig into the management issues of particular relevance to the national security community. This is a joint project between Guidehouse, where I'm a director in the national security practice, and the School of Public Affairs at American University. We're pleased to have you join us. In this episode, we're going to talk about using behavioral science to drive change around disaster preparedness actions. As you will hear, Guidehouse hosted a live panel of experts from FEMA, the American Red Cross, and Texas A&M's Human Behavioral Lab to discuss how we can encourage individuals to better prepare and respond to disasters. Following the panel, I had the opportunity to sit down with our panelists for an in-depth discussion on building a culture of preparedness in our communities and how we can leverage behavioral science concepts to enact change. Kicking off the discussion, we'll hear from Shannon White, a partner in the national security sector at Guidehouse. I wanted to start, Shannon, by just asking you, you were really the brains behind the panel. We just concluded. And can you talk a little bit for our listening audience now about why you thought this topic was so important, this idea of using behavioral science to drive change around disaster preparedness? What is it that sort of brought that to the top of your list in terms of something we needed to dig into? So I've been supporting FEMA and other agencies for the last 15 years, and I often attend conferences where we talk about emergency management and FEMA's mission to help communities to prepare for, respond to, and recover from disasters. But I often feel like we leave those conferences without a real action plan. And so we had a vision for creating an event where we would talk about a new concept, behavioral science, and we would also give people an opportunity to get really invested in it and then leave the conference feeling like they had a way forward and they had a way to really take actions. Now, let's turn to our panelists, Dr. Marco Palma, professor at Texas A&M University and the director of the Human Behavior Lab, and have him share with us how his research on behavioral science can drive emergency and disaster preparedness. My name is Marco Palma, and I'm a professor at Texas A&M University and the director of the Human Behavior Laboratory. The Human Behavior Laboratory is the largest biometric lab dedicated to understanding human behavior, and we implement economic experiments that are incentivized. And what that means is that we actually set incentives for people to truthfully reveal what they think and their choices. Amazing. Your comments were so interesting on the panel and obviously so applicable in so many contexts. But today we talked about it in the context of emergency preparedness and disaster preparedness. And, and again, in sort of going into that black box of decision making to think about why folks may choose not to prepare despite all this information and other things. I know it's a, it's a big ask to ask you to do this for our listening audience in a couple minutes or so, but you did an incredible job laying out really four, I think, key ideas that folks interested in this kind of behavior change could think about. So if I could ask you for our listening audience just to talk through that for a couple minutes, that would be wonderful. So one of the things that we assume as a researcher, as public policymakers is that if we provide people with information, they will make better decisions. But in many cases, we see that people not only not use that information, but they actually want to avoid that information. And in some cases, they're willing to put money to avoid that information, especially when that information does not align with what people want to do. 
human beings tend to actually overestimate the probability of the good events. So we're very much optimistic about winning the lottery, but we actually underweight the probability of bad events, which means that we tend to think that the probability of a bad outcome is lower than it actually is. And so this plays a very crucial role when it comes to preparedness because it, it means that people process these probabilities in different ways and in different contexts. One of the things that you mentioned was episodic perspective or uh, watching the future. We can uh, go all the way back to Charles Dickens and see how Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three different ghosts. The ghost of the Christmas past make him melancholic and sad, but ultimately does not make him change. So just like Scrooge, not until he was visited by the ghost of Christmas yet to come, he actually took action and changed his behavior in the present. So in a similar way, we should be looking for ways in which we can engage people to actually kind of pre-experience some of the potential devastating consequences of not being prepared and then show them in a way in which they can actually not only experience that, but experience the losses of associated with that. It is very important to understand that there is no one-size-fits-all solutions because we human beings are heterogeneous interactions. And what that means is that some interventions or some stimuli that might work for some groups may not necessarily work for everybody. And so there is a lot of need of customization by gender, by age, by background, by different type of experience that we can actually try to understand our population at the local level. And these are the individuals who are in the trenches that know their population, that know what might affect them. And at the end of the day, it will take the effort of the government, of NGOs, of academia, and all of us to work together to try to improve people's lives. Very informative and compelling ideas. Now let's hear from Carlos Castillo, the Associate Administrator for Resilience at FEMA. He'll share FEMA's vision for a more prepared nation. I'm Carlos Castillo. I'm the Associate Administrator for Resilience at the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And resilience consists of most of the things on the mission side that that take place before disaster. So it includes the Federal Insurance and Mitigation Administration, the National Preparedness Directorate, grant programs, and then national continuity programs. Amazing. A lot of responsibility and authority in that role. Thank you so much for being with us today and joining us on the panel. So what is the end state we're driving toward if we were successful to motivate folks this direction? So we have uh, at FEMA, we've put together a a strategic plan, a a five-year strategic plan that that has three basic strategic goals. And, And the goal number one is to develop a culture of preparedness. And that's one of the things I'm responsible for is to develop this culture across the country, not just at at FEMA, but so that people are prepared and it becomes part of the culture to be prepared. And and to me, that means if you know the risks that potentially exist where you live or where you are and you prepare for them, then it almost becomes second nature. It's you do it, you're prepared. It's like putting on your seatbelt. You don't even think about it anymore. You just do it. And if you're not wearing it, it feels like something's missing. So in part, that's what we want to, to encourage is this culture of preparedness at the, at the local level where, where things are likely to happen. 
That makes sense. So we talked a bit today about this gap, right? That there are certainly folks moving that direction, kind of riding that wave or joining that culture of preparedness, but there are some who are, are not. And we talked about using behavioral science to try and address that. Can you talk about how that kind of presents itself in your role and then sort of solutions you've either seen or ideas coming out of today that are on your mind in consideration to sort of move that group forward? One of the main challenges we're dealing with is making sure that people keep that that culture of preparedness and keep that in mind, not just after something happens. So typically, preparedness levels improve after something happens. People see this can happen to me, or they, they see it and they, they experience it, but they, they should know that beforehand if they're at risk for it. The challenge is you know, disaster preparedness and, and thinking about disasters for most people isn't a, always a pleasant thought, right? You, you're thinking about something bad that can happen and you, you tend to put it out of mind. So this is where understanding behavioral sciences helps us in messaging, especially in how we react and, and how we provide. At FEMA, we're responsible for, for providing this guidance throughout the country. As we know, there, there are a lot of different risks, different demographics, different hazards in, in different areas. So the best way, the most efficient and, and effective way to get that message out is for the local emergency managers, local officials, local people that are responsible or thinking of, of disaster preparedness for them to get the message out because they know what the realities are. It's interesting hearing in the panel, too, this idea that you have said around sort of how it's heterogeneous in terms of what the disasters are and sort of people's approach to them and that need to send out the message through the locals, right? That there can't be that one centralized approach seems to resonate quite a bit. And there are some things that, for instance, through our website, ready.gov, you know, that we provide a lot of general readiness and preparedness tips that, that we provide as well as during a disaster and, and after. And that's very valuable information, but it's general. So it, it needs to be individualized for the, the community involved. How do we take what has been studied in labs and, and, and through surveys, and how do we adapt that and operationalize it so that we can be better at what we do and continue to advance in, in messaging and in developing that culture and fostering the culture of preparedness? Exactly. Any other thoughts for our listeners before we let you go? For any practitioners, I think considering behavioral sciences in, in what you do and looking at so much that's out there now in terms of information and help you with, with messaging, and for the public in general is to, to be more aware of, of the risk you, you have where you live. You know, if you live where it rains, you have a, a potential risk for flooding. So what do you need to do to, to prevent that? Because I... I truly believe that all natural disasters can be prevented. We don't stop the rain, we don't stop the earth from moving, but it doesn't have to be a disaster if you take necessary steps and, and preparedness. Great. Now let's hear from Linda Mathis, the CEO of the American Red Cross in the National Capital Region. She'll share her vision for preparedness in our communities and how we can take steps to become better prepared. My name is Linda Mathis. I'm the CEO of your American Red Cross in the National Capital Region. And my role as the CEO for this region is to make sure we are delivering our mission, that we have the people and the people trained, that we have the equipment and the supplies and the, the money and the relationships in the community that helps us help people prevent, prepare for, and respond to emergencies of all kinds every day. Our mission is to alleviate human suffering 
in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. And we do this 24-7. And my job is to make sure we're delivering that mission. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today for the panel. It's an honor to have you here at American. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, I know be so interested to hear your perspective. Today we talked on the panel about using behavioral science to drive change around preparedness. And I was hoping you could sort of explain to our listeners a little bit about your vision for preparedness as you described it on the panel, and then some of the challenges we're having today in terms of getting folks to to take preparedness seriously and engage. Oh, thank you for the question and for the the, uh, opportunity to be a part of this discussion today. Very stimulating eager to uh, step back and reflect even more on the concepts of behavioral science because they're uh, they're very useful in helping us do more and better in terms of stimulating uh, action, preparedness by people, and the preparedness of organizations and therefore communities and the resilience of communities. So I'm eager to give even more thought to this and and, um, see use of these principles and moving us all forward. My own vision of, of preparedness and that of the Red Cross is that everyone, every family, every person will be prepared for the kinds of disasters and emergencies that they face in their home, in their work setting, in their community. And we all have loved ones all over the place. And it's important that we be aware of of what preparedness is all about wherever we are. I also am eager for us to see more communal actions, the community coming together, building the relationships and the social network so that we can help each other through good times and and bad and troubled times. Neighborhood action, actions throughout the community. It's typical that people come together and help each other after a disaster. It's very important that we build the relationships and these habits before disasters happen. And that means right now. You talked a bit on the panel about the example of smoke detectors in some work. The Red Cross committed about five years ago to reduce deaths that occur in homes where there are fires and no working smoke alarms. It happens a lot, and it doesn't need to. Many people believe they have a smoke alarm in their home, but when you ask if you can test it, try it out, It's either not there or it doesn't work. It's old, it's dysfunctional, whatever. So this is a very important way that we're carrying out our commitment to help people prevent, prepare for, and respond to emergencies. And it works. And that in this five-year period, we've actually saved a documented 638 lives as a result of our efforts to to talk with families and install smoke alarms at no cost to the people receiving them, by the way. We continue to do this every month in this community and in communities across the country. And so people who would like to be involved with this, it's it's a very important way to make a difference. We talked a lot today about sort of how to get folks to change who are not considering preparedness. But for our listeners who are, before I (laughs) I let you go, or Uh for those who, based on what they hear today, want to start to get involved in sort of turning that corner, what are your suggestions? Where should they start and how, how can they help? 
There are so many ways people can be involved and make a difference, truly make a difference. With regard to the Red Cross, click on our website, check out our free apps that you can download. There are opportunities for people to be involved as an individual volunteer to help us go to the scene of disasters, to help us plan and prepare for them. There are opportunities for people to donate blood, and people can make an appointment to donate blood by clicking on our free blood donor app or calling 1-800-RED-CROSS and talk to somebody about the kinds of things you'd like to do. So there are lots of opportunities to make a difference, and we need everyone to raise their hand and step forward and, and do something. Help us continue to build the readiness and the resilience of this community. On behalf of Guidehouse and American University, I wanted to thank our panelists for their time sharing their perspectives on how we can build disaster preparedness within our communities. To learn more from thought leaders on tackling disaster preparedness, please visit guidehouse.com backslash resilience. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. To find out more information on the Guidehouse American University Mission is Possible speaker series, please visit us at guidehouse.com.